In today's episode, we interview Father Stephen Chaburia, newly ordained priest in the Diocese of Tyler. He shares his vocation story and his encounter with the generous love of God. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back to another episode, and today we have a very special guest, Father Stephen Chaburia, newly ordained priest in the Diocese of Tyler. How are you, Father? I'm very well. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. We are so excited yes. to have you. And if you are in the Diocese of Tyler um, in August, you should have received um, this amazing copy of the CET um, with Father Chaburia's uh, vocation story. And today we just wanted to break that open a little bit yeah. and talk a little bit about your family's role in your discernment. But mm-hmm. yeah, where do you want to start? Well, well, anywhere. Yeah. The, the article, I, I told um, Elizabeth who did the article, who did the interview with me, um, like at, at the end, I just talked for a long time. I said, I didn't mean to say all that, but I think it was the reflection of becoming because I think when the article came out, when the interview happened, it was like two weeks after my ordination. And so for the past month or two months, I had been reflecting on my vocational mm-hmm. journey, yeah. connecting a lot of dots, and then it just, it all came out at once. So, okay, well, <laughs> that's a pretty deep scoop, though. The people, <laughs> right. of, the people of God in East Texas know who I am, right. no doubt about that. So, right, and so I love how the title was, it was all worth it, The Journey of One Man Who Did Not Want to Be a Priest. Yeah. So, and I know people can, can read the full article, and we'll link to that in the show notes, but mm-hmm. can you give us kind of like an overview of what was what is your vocation journey what's your yeah absolutely what happened <laughs> so i was interested in the faith but not super interested in the faith growing up uh, my family uh, my mom was baptist my father catholic and so they were very committed to raising my my brother and i in the faith or in as christians but um so i grew up i was confirmed in the catholic church um, i went to the baptist church as well on sundays and then I decided at one point I just need to be Catholic because I thought that's where where it was at, and I was right. And I uh, kind of didn't really take the priesthood as a serious consideration for my life. Um, I graduated from high school. I go off to college for a year, and during that year, um, a lot of things had happened, and I was kind of at my ropes in. Like, all right, Lord, I'm not really happy. So show me what that show me what your plan for me is. I know you exist. I know you're real. Um, let me know what that is. And he put the priesthood in my mind. Mm. And that was something I was not, I didn't feel ready for. Um, I had never really seriously considered that before, um, except like as an escape option. Like, all right, if nothing <laughs> else works, if I can't do anything else, I can at least be a priest. And, um, but it ended up so that I, I was, I asked a sincere question and I, and the Lord gave me a sincere answer. Mm. That's what I, that's what was kind of in the article as well. And, um, and that, that thought never left. And so whenever I the next semester came around, I, I knew I had to, it, it wouldn't leave. That, that mm-hmm. thought wouldn't leave. So, um, you know, through pushing and, and grinding and, and really fighting it, um, I, the Lord got what he wanted. 
And so he put me in the seminary. I still didn't want to be a priest when I got to the seminary. I was like, I'm, my bags are packed, Lord. As soon as you're ready, as soon as you're ready, let me know and I will leave. Call never came. And then as the days went on, um, it, was, it was more of, okay, Lord, this is your plan for me. And not only is it plan, your plan for me, but it really is fulfilling me in a way that I've never been fulfilled before. And I have encountered you who I did not really know before. I thought I knew who you were, but until you showed me who you were, I didn't know that. And, um, and then falling in love with the Lord and with his church, and instead of it just being an obligatory thing that I did, um, and then like encountering the Lord Jesus um, in prayer, and soon after that, it was a love for the priesthood. Mm. Um, and, and that was, the love for the priesthood kind of came through love of the people. I remember my, one of my first years coming back from seminary to um, back back home. I was studying in Dallas at Holy Trinity Seminary, and uh, I, I came back home and I was at a Chick Fil A, and I'm in my casual clothes. No one knows I'm a seminarian, and I'm just looking around and I'm overcome with emotion. Um, and it's this Chick Fil A right off of off of 110, and I'm like, I'm such a baby. What am I crying <laughs> about? But I was just looking at the people and saying, All right, this. These are the ones I was made to serve. Mm. These are the people that I love, and there might not have been a single Catholic in that in that room, but they were my people because um, I grew up in the Tyler area and I grew up in East Texas. East Texas is my home, and believing the Lord's love for me, and then believing His call for me, and then soon after that was, all right. He didn't call me for me. He called me with me, um, uh, so that I might bring him greater glory to his people. So other, he's, he's given me extraordinary grace so that I might take that and share that with this people. Indeed, with all people, the whole church, you're, not, you're never ordained um, for, for one specific people, but um, particularly the Diocese of Tyler. And, and since then, it's just been uphill, uphill, uphill. I mean, there's, there's ebbs and flows and things, but um, uh, it's been a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful journey. It was all worth it. Mm -hmm. Worth the price of admission, as Father Dave Bailey says. <laughs> I love it. I love worth it. the price of admission, dude. All right. So just just so people know, how long have you been a priest? I was ordained on June the 3rd, 2022, the Feast of the Ugandan Martyrs. Nice. Um, yeah, so about two months, a little okay. over two months. So it's it's very fresh, but I hope it stays that way. Um, and... and um, it's been a, a beautiful thing. I mean, I spent eight years in the seminary, so my whole adult life was in the seminary, if you call it an adult life. You know, I'm 27 now. Um, but I, it's been spent in priestly formation and kind of in the, in the womb of the church, in that precious bubble of the seminary. And now I am out and, and ordained and being a priest. Um, it it's awesome. I mean, every every part of it, and, and I love being at the cathedral because there's so much to do. I mean, there's I, I can from from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. There's uh -huh. I'm running around, and that's sometimes you know not um, it's it's exhausting. But I, I'm like a at the end of the day, if I have spent myself well, it is like a um, like a racehorse. It's like a, it comes off with like a very clean sweat. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not like I've, I haven't been sitting around all day. It's been like all right, this was. This was good, and I'm tired, and I didn't want to do half the things I was mm. asked to do um, because they were at an inconvenient time or because I was tired or whatever. Um, but after doing it, I'm like, all right, Lord, that was, thank you so much for letting me do that. And we have the schools, and we have the hospitals, and we have the university, and we have 
two, it's a huge parish and tons of families and families who've been here for a long time, new families. It's just a wonderful, wonderful place. So the Lord has really outdone himself, if I were to say so. That's awesome. I, Mickey and I uh, were at the seminarian gathering with yeah. you like a month ago mm-hmm. and getting to hear you speak about your first like six weeks or four weeks as a priest. Yeah. It was so refreshing to hear that and you were just so raw and honest. But the thing that struck me in your discussion with the seminarians was how much it relates to married life, mm-hmm. like as an, as newlyweds and kind of stepping into this new reality Mm -hmm. or um, even that question of like, am I ready (laughs) for this? And, or becoming new parents. I think that was it. When you were describing the reality of like, I'm getting ordained tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is actually happening. And it was just reminding me of like, when you're at the hospital and they hand you your baby and they're like, okay, you can go home now. Yeah. what do you mean I can go home? Where's my nurse? Now? Where's my aid? Like, <laughs> right. Help. All right. It's like, I don't think I'm ready for this, but uh, that God is so generous. But uh, it's just the joy that you have in your vocation is very evident. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's not something I could have come up with myself. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all the Lord. Well, and like uh, just sort of connecting these two things, when, um, when I hear you talk about the love for your people, mm-hmm. like it is genuine. We see it um, the way that you care for them and you're relational. That's it's just very, um, it's amazing to see a priest so in love with his people. And then when we think about parents, right? When we become parents, like being in love, like with our children, mm-hmm. you know. And like you said, if I spent my day well, and there are things that happen in our day where maybe not the right time, um, or our time, mm-hmm. not the time we wanted. Or unexpected things, but if we spent it well in fulfilling the mission that God gave us, I just see so many parallels and connections between that. Although you have far more children mm-hmm. um, as parishioners <laughs> than we do at our house, so yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and that's you know, the spiritual fatherhood has been something that has been um, a huge part of of my discernment and and just of seminary formation. And one of the things I, I kind of came to realize was having encountered a lot of people um, who um, maybe that was a missing a missing part of their formation and then being able to go there and and, and not fill a role in a, in a very specific role that the role of a priest mm. um, but I mean people call me father I mean and I'm, I'm a 27 year old guy I mean <laughs> I don't even I don't know what I'm doing but um, 27 years old and people call me father <laughs> And how important, and that's not with nothing, you know, that's, that's for something. And, and how important also to call them, you know, you're my children, um, and to be able to say that. And, and for them to know, all right, not only do I give this man a title of a father that, you know, by, by his ordination he's been given, um, but he calls me my child, and he loves me as, as his child, and, and how... A precious gift that is um, and it is you know it's a precious gift for me um, and you know I, I in a certain sense I, I can watch people grow spiritually um, but the nature of the priesthood is it's, it's kind of transitory you know I'm a part of every family but a part of none mm. um, and as as soon as you know I get settled well then maybe the Lord asked me to, to see someone else and to be somewhere else and um, I might be with someone in a very um, difficult time in their life or a great time in their life and share that moment with them. And then I go to, to an, I, I, I migrate, I go somewhere else, I, maybe another parish or maybe another family that, that needs it 
or whatever, but to be able to effuse that love and um, and to be able to to do that, it has to come from the wellspring of prayer. It has to come from the wellspring of, of eternal life, which is which is the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Himself and that daily communion. So if that's not there, then um, I can't I can't be given anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, one of those very important things. Like I want to be able to love people really well. Yeah. I have to be able to love people really yeah. well. That is my job. That is not my job. That is what God made me for. And the only way I can do that is if God gives me that love first. Mm. Um, and so if I don't have that, I can't give it. Because you can't give what you don't have, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. And so like, as one of the things <laughs> of, of um, love between a husband and a wife, um, if, if they love each other really well, they're going to love their kids well. Mm. Um, and if they don't mm. love each other really well, it's going to be a lot. They're going to have a lot harder time loving their kids well. Um, or, or if you're living in community, how can you love? Um, how can you say you love God when you when you don't love the brother in front of you? Um, you have to. It's 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 got to be that. It's got to be every all, all connected. It's all connected. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is actually reminding me of how um, the church teaches us that like our our children experience the love of God through us as parents. Like mm-hmm. very, yeah. Like we're the first encounter with God's love. Um, like hopefully Andre <laughs> will come to know the love of God um, through my husband and I. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful to hear the way that you describe all of this. And I'm thinking about like your own, dom- the domestic church that you came from, yeah. your family. And yeah. I know the article mentioned that your dad was a big influence as you were really stepping into your faith. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. So yeah, my dad... Um, you know, I mentioned my mom and my dad. They've been married for 20 years at, when I got, um, when I was entered the seminary. Um, my mom was Baptist, my dad was Catholic. And the kind of way they kept peace in the house was don't talk about it. Um, so we go to both churches. I go to Sunday school in the in big church at the Baptist church in the morning. And then we go to the Catholic church in the evening time. Wow. And that's how we do it. And we're not going to say anything. We're just, that's what we're going to do. And that kept peace for the whole time I was growing up because my, my parents, it would have, it would have become argument, argumentative and that wasn't healthy. Um, and so that's what they did. And while now I would not suggest that for families if, if they asked me advice, um, the Lord worked with what he, with what he had. And um, my dad, I guess it was about when he turned 40, um, started kind of, that's, that's the time when most people start reflecting on their past and reflecting on their life. What good have I done? What evil did I do? What could I have done better now that I'm in the second half of my life? more or less, what, um, what can I do? And, and one of the things that I think it was Lent uh, that year, he, um, like he gave up coffee to exercise. And he started exercising in the morning, getting up early in the morning. And then he's like, well, maybe I should start praying and, and doing apologetics because he didn't know anything about the faith, really. He was a cradle Catholic, but didn't know a whole lot about the faith. Um, so he's like, where can I go? Well, we were kind of at the cathedral at the time as parishioners. We were kind of halfway there, half at St. Mary Magdalene. And Father Joe, now Bishop Strickland, um, and had a little group, um, Word Alive, where they were doing, doing scripture studies. And so my dad went over there and started doing that. And I remember him doing that. It was a weird thing. Like, where's dad? It's Thursday night. Well, he's at Word Alive. Or it was whatever, what time of day it was. And seeing him take it seriously really put an impact on me. Um, because I, I don't know, I, I suppose I was um, in middle school, maybe I was a little younger than that, and and seeing my dad take something seriously and and unhesitating on it, like we never missed mass. We went to we went to two churches every Sunday, and they were very distinct. 
and we never missed Mass. Um, I think only one time do I recall. But there were some times I didn't want to go. I knew no one in my family wanted to go to Mass. But we went because Dad said, you know, we are not missing Mass. So that always stuck in my head. Like, this is something important. And it's something that my parents see as value, was worth, worth believing in. And my dad taking this extra step, I'm like, all right, maybe it has even more value than I thought. Maybe it's not just a Sunday thing. Maybe you can invade the week as well. Oh, no more church, please. <laughs> Don't get me involved. But, um, and um, I wasn't that interested, but it stuck in my mind. And then whenever I was in high school, people were asking me things about the faith. I was able to give a response. And then I, if I didn't know the answer, I, I knew I, would, I could ask my dad or I, I knew where he went. Mm-hmm. Like Catholic, Catholic.com, like Catholic Answers. I would go over there and, and find things. And then as the article said, I was kind of, I felt like I was kind of tricked into being an advocate for the Catholic Church <laughs> um, because there was no one else to do it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the churchy guy. He's the churchy guy. Um, but it, it ended up working out. And I wish my only regret in life is that I didn't start sooner. Mm. Um, you know, wish we had a junior high seminary I could have joined or something. You know, <laughs> you know saved a lot of saved a lot of tears. <laughs> But I still find that the fact that you noticed that and you held on to that as a middle schooler or high schooler, that mm-hmm. is still very significant, um, that that witness of your dad. Yeah. And you notice that. Yeah. And it just shows the power of our witness to our families. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyways, I still... Yes, I think we all may have the regret that we should have started earlier, but mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we're like, oh, but he was thinking about these things in like middle school and high school and noticing. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a gift mm-hmm. uh, that God gave you to be able to witness this change in your dad and then for you to be like, okay, there's something. Yeah. There's something to that. That's really powerful. Yeah, it was. It was. And I, I, don't, I don't think it was, I don't think I mentioned it earlier. My mom eventually became Catholic. Um, she eventually entered the Catholic Church whenever I entered the seminary. I was a little suspicious at first. I'm like, <laughs> fake, you know, what are you doing? You just want to fit in. But she's a real Catholic now. Like She's really she's doing the Catholic lovely. stuff. She's awesome. And we, were she's, t- we were talking about we need to interview priest moms. Oh, oh yeah. That'd be so fun. Oh, that'd be a good. I mean, because it's, it's, you know, I have my story, but they have a very mm. different um, view of, of how it all happened and um, – I mean, it's it's very powerful. Hearing hearing their conversations, my mother was speaking with uh, Father Justin Braun's mother, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of people things people don't tell you. I mean, yeah. um, ab- about yeah. being a priest's mom, mm-hmm. and people ask her all the time, um, "What did you do to make your son a priest?" <laughs> I think that's what our listeners are <laughs> right. probably thinking. Yeah. What, what was that notes. like? Yeah. What did you do? Okay, so what's the formula? You bring him to daily mass. You make sure he does this. You give him a cool cool saint's name. Athanasius is yeah, that's where we're gonna name a kid. He's gonna be a priest. Um, or, you know, something like that. But my mom's like, I didn't do anything. You know, we just... And then Miss Braun had a wonderful answer. She said, when people ask me that question, I can only respond, I raised a son. Mm. And and God chose him. Oh, and he chose I us. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't do it right here. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, and, and, it, it's true. Because oh, they, they were just doing their best to be a parent. Just mm. like any other parent who loves their child. And by the grace of God, in his mysterious way, he said, I choose you for this. Mm. It's not something I earned. It's not something they earned. It's not something that we could have done. Um, It was just they loved me, and I loved them, and they taught me how to love the Lord. And the Lord in his time showed me who he was, 
and show me his plan for me. Yes. And, and that led to me being here today. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it doesn't start in love with the Lord, it's not going to start well. Yep. It's not going to end well. Yep. And, um, and that's that's how they that's how they did it. Yeah, that reminds me of we had an episode with or two episodes with Father Bolin. Yeah, and we were talking about spiritual warfare and but also like the preventative, like how do we raise, you know, holy sons and daughters? And he's like, yes, you know, there's there's all these different prayers that you can pray over your children, um, and doing things like bringing them to mass, but love them, love yeah. them well. Mm-hmm. And I think we can underestimate that. I know that I can. I can underestimate how impactful that will be. I don't know who Andre will be, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years from now. Um, we joke that maybe one of our sons will become a priest since my husband left the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> but um, maybe maybe we'll do an exchange rate with the, the diocese. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, but like, who, who knows? And even if our children, if their path is to become husbands and wives, um, that they will be raising, you know, a domestic church and that hopefully the seeds that we planted um, will, they will blossom in ways that we won't even get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so encouraging. Yeah. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful thing. There is a quote, I think it was near the end of the article, which is actually fantastic. Everyone should read it. But you had said, um, if the priest knows God and is known by God, all he has to do is be. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought that was just beautiful, Mike, and not just for the priesthood, mm-hmm. but for every, if everyone can just, if every single human being um, can live by that, do I know God? Do I know that I am known and loved by God? And then just sit in that and be, and there's so many references in your article to like God's grace. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed that there was just this openness, like, mm-hmm. Or maybe now you recognize it now mm-hmm. as God's grace moving in there. Um, but just just being, knowing that I'm loved, knowing that I am God's, I belong to him, and then letting that then dictate the, or orientate you to what it is that he wants for you. And I guess, like, there's so many, because God is constantly pouring down his graces. I remember hearing this story from this woman um, and she had had a really bad history, and she had talked about how God was constantly pouring all this grace over her, but she, like, had an umbrella up. And she was like, and there was a moment when I finally let the umbrella down. Mm. And she's like, all the grace that he wanted to pour into my life just came flooding mm. over me. And that image really stuck with me of, okay, God's grace is always flowing. Where is it that I have an umbrella up mm-hmm. either in my life or in the life of my family or fear of just like if I let this umbrella down like do yeah. I really want to be soaked with this do I really <laughs> yeah. want to go to seminary yeah. and like right. how to overcome those oh but this isn't what I want or mm-hmm. I don't think it's what I want I'm, it's scary and do I have what it takes to mm-hmm. do make this parenting choice or do the thing that God is asking me to do um become a priest or whatever it is mm-hmm. so I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> just a thought that came to my mind. But I think there's a lot of um, hesitancy or fear or maybe not recognizing where God's grace is and really leaning into that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's so true. Um, he's constantly pouring grace. He's constantly giving it to us. Um, and it's not, 
it's not God who changes. You know, God is the immutable one, the un- unchangeable, the unmoved mover. He is the, the great I am. It, but it's us. You know, we, we have to be able to receive him. And um, part of that is just letting it happen. Like, Lord, I think St. Maria has one of the things of, the, of, of Opus Dei, um, a constant thing to, to practice is remembering divine filiation mm. of like just one of those aspirations that we can do constantly when we're in the car, when we're walking, when we're just in the middle of a conversation. Remember, I am God's son. God is my father. God loves me and I love him. And how, and just connecting that bridge, just like mm-hmm. letting us walk across that bridge again uh, to God and let, all right, Lord, I know you're giving me grace. <laughs> I'm open to receive it right now. Thank you. And then being, and then making that a habit and being perpetually disposed for that. And so no matter where we are, what we're doing, we are in, in, in the presence of God. Um, not, um, obviously, we are always in the presence of God, but being aware of that and being able to invite him in every part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And and um, building those habits of of remembering that because that's what the saints the saint they lived in perpetual state of awareness of God. Um, they were doing things. They were busy. They weren't always praying, um, but in a sense they were. Like their heart was always inclined to what the Lord had to say to them. And uh, and that's where that's where we're all called to be. It's where we're all hoping to be. So, um, but it starts with. All right, Lord, I'm gonna let down that umbrella. Like. <laughs> Now I know I'm gonna get soaked, but I, you know, he said it was honey and not the sticky kind. Like he said it was the good stuff. It was gonna be nice for me. Oh like, you know. But um, but we don't realize realize how much of a desert we are until the rains fall mm-hmm. from God's grace. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, amen. So one thing that we we definitely wanted to ask, I know you you had mentioned, you know, w- people asking your mom, like, what would you do? What's the formula for making a priest? Yeah. But one thing that I think we have realized, we have, I have three sons, you have two, we have daughters. Um, it seems like it, it is a good thing to encourage our children to discern a religious vocation or mm-hmm. the priesthood. Um, and maybe your parents didn't like explicitly say that like you need to pray about becoming a priest but what advice would you give to parents um as far as like fostering that openness to grace like you were saying um taking the umbrella down or just being able to discern freely like what is it that god wants for my life because that 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 is a prayer that takes time Mm, to learn mm -hmm. how to pray um but yeah how do we encourage our children to be open to the will of god um, well, I think the first thing is, is being open yourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and like as, as parents, you know, kids learn by example. They learn by what they see. And if they see mom and dad having a hard time or, or, or something and surrender, abandonment to divine providence and, and surrender to the will of God, that's the first thing they're going to notice. Um, it's, it's a kind of a cause and effect thing. Okay, we have this thing that's stressing mom out. What's she going to do? Naturally, we're going to think she's going to explode or cry or do something like that. And she might do those things. Uh-huh. But what else happens? Um, she goes and prays mm. and, and says, all right. She comes out away with a smile and said, God's going to take care of it. Amen. And then, um, and then talking, to, talking to children about um, like making it not so distant a possibility. Like putting it like a doctor or a lawyer or a priest or, you know, or something like that. Because... I never heard that growing up, and I think my parents just it wasn't on their radar. 
um, because the, the only priests we knew were from, a lot of them were from missionary priests from other countries. And so one of the first things my mom thought whenever I said I was going to the seminary or, you know, wanted to, was going to enter the seminary, really, because I didn't want to be a priest, um, was she's like, are you going to go to Ireland? You're like, are, are you going to go to India? Because Father Tim Kelly was our pastor, and we, when we were at the cathedral, a lot of times we saw Father Gus there. And so she's like, well, those are the two priests we love, and um, and, and Father Joe, but he's kind of weird because he's the bishop now. And um, so uh, are you going to go to India? Are you going to go to Ireland? Like, I, I don't think so. I think I'm going to stay here. And um, so that was a, a thought as well. I don't think it was on the radar, but... Um, Letting it be a possibility and, and not like forcing the issue or anything yeah. like that because kids have an, and I think all parents know this, have, an, have a unique ability to be able to shut off exactly what they don't want to hear from their parents whenever they want to hear, um, yeah. whenever they don't want to hear it. And so if you, if they, they know when nudging is happening. Um, and a lot of times it's just, if, so my, if my dad said, you should be a priest, I'd say, you're crazy. I'm not going to do it just because you told me. Not to do it. <laughs> because you told me. Um, exactly. Um, but, um, uh, and then another thing I think would be helpful is uh, exposure to priests. Yeah. Um, so I remember um, when I was very young, uh, we were still living in Louisiana. We moved to Texas when I was seven um, from South Louisiana. My, my parents are from East Texas, but um, my mom is at least. Um, we were in South Louisiana. I remember them having a priest, going out to dinner with a, with a priest, mm-hmm. Father Bob. Um, and he was so good to my parents, and he loved them so well. And I, I never forgot that. Um, now I, I see it as an act of God's grace because I don't remember, we also went to the Baptist church. I don't remember the Baptist church priest's name. Um, I don't remember anything about that, but I remember Father Bob. Um, and I remember him calling me Steve Arino. And I remember him, you know, um, touching my head. And um, when I was up, we were leaving church and saying, how you going, Steve Arino? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, great, I guess. Um, and I remember that. And my parents letting themselves be loved by him mm. um, and him openly giving that. Yeah. Um, and so if, if someone has the ability to invite a priest into their life um, or, or a religious sister or a religious brother or whoever um, to, to live um, one of these uh, celebrate vocations um, into their life and to say, like, this is, you can do this. Um, then, then it's really a possibility. I was in Africa, um, my last thought on this, I was in Africa for my friend's ordination. Um, I was in Uganda. I mentioned the Uganda Martyr earlier, so I was able to celebrate Mass at the Uganda Martyr Shrine. Oh, it was it was wow. awesome. Wow. Divine Providence. Yeah, it's great. So I was there for my uh, one of my best friends' ordination um, a, a couple about a month ago, and they have so many priests and so many men who want to be priests, um, and a lot of the reason like we were it's because priests are around. Um, they're they're kind of a part of the family, and we were there and. Um, the, the kids in the village were just kind of around. My buddy's nephews and nieces were around, and all the boys were saying, I want to be a priest. I want Aww. to be a father. I want to be like you. Like, okay, great. You know, <laughs> it might enter the seminary, and, you know, like, actually, you know, Susie Q over there is pretty nice. You're like, well, you know, that's, that's okay. That's fine. You know, okay, we can, we can work with that. But um, but just, you know, having, having priests around and making yeah. it something normal. So... That's another reason why, you know, obviously I love people because I want to love people and because that's, that's my vocation. But you, you can all see a lot of fruit from that mm-hmm. um, of if you love people well, um, 
spiritual seeds will be sown and mm-hmm. the Lord can harvest spiritual fruit. Um, spiritual mm-hmm. fruit is not like regular fruit. It takes decades <laughs> to harvest sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I think of now in my, my ministry at the cathedral, um, the fields are ripe. Mm-hmm. The fields are ripe for harvest. It's, it's so constantly, I have to do almost no work for people to come in um, to, to want to talk about the faith. Um, they are so ripe. And I think about, all right, why is that? Well, it was, it's the hard work of people who have been tilling and sowing spiritual seeds for decades yeah. and who have not seen any, hardly any fruit from it. Yeah. And now this new guy can come in with a big old scythe and just start hitting those wheat, you know, <laughs> bringing in the sheaves. And it's, you know, easy pickings almost. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's like, I'm not, hard harvesting, you know, and my shoulder gets tired, but I mean, come on, are you kidding me? That's the best work in the world. So I love it. I love it. I hope to have the same joy in my vocation Mm -hmm. that you have Mm -hmm. in yours Mm -hmm. is like you said, like we're called to plant seeds in Mm -hmm. the lives of our children. And we may, we may not see what, what the harvest is going to bring, but Mm -hmm. to have faith (laughs) that, that there's an abundance that's coming. So yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I loved one of the things that you said is like just the love of a priest. I remember and like how impactful it can be. Mm-hmm. We were visiting a parish. It wasn't even my regular parish. I'm um, in a different state. And uh, the priest was, uh, he was pretty energetic anyways, mm-hmm. um, like very zealous, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. on fire. And he was talking about a really hard topic. And mm-hmm. he started off like, hey, this may, this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember this. I don't even remember what he talked about, Mm. but he looked at his people and he said, it's going to be hard for some of you to hear, but I have to teach it because I love you. Mm. That was the very first time. I mean, I had been married for like 15 years by this point. Mm. Um, And uh, this is my Mm thirties. And I said, I've never heard a priest say that Mm. in my whole life. Mm. I've never heard a priest say, I love you. Mm. Um, And he wasn't even my priest, but I remember it had a huge impact. Mm. And then it also made me think about like my motherhood. Like, how do I look at my kids when I have to correct them or tell them something hard? Mm. Or if there's a trial or something really bad has happened, like, is it, is it not cushioned, but is, am I revealing my love for them first? Do mm. they see that first? Um, anyways, I just thought that was really, um, I mean, it was impactful to me, but also made me reflect on my motherhood mm-hmm. um, and my calling as a wife and a mom, like, do my do my family? Do they know? Mm-hmm. Do they know that I love them? Like mm. I know that I love them. Yeah. But is is what I'm communicating to them? Yeah. yeah. Love. Love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talk, you're talking about that, and I think it's beautiful that behind us is my favorite image in the entire world. <laughs> um, that particular image of the Sacred Heart is is my favorite image mm. ever. And and Robert Pushouts, who, who who painted it, did a wonderful job. Um, and I was. I was in Palestine where that's located, the original's located, during COVID. And so it was just me and that painting next to a tabernacle for a whole summer, and I got to get to know it really well. And I love it because the first thing you see is our Lord's sacred heart effusing, effusing light, and it's enlarged. Um, and that's what I want people to see. I mean, that's what everyone, every Christian mm-hmm. should be like, is um, it's an effusing love is the first thing you notice. He's not overly joyful he, in, in his demeanor. He's very calm. He's very warm. Um, he's quiet. Um, things which I, I have a hard time being quiet a lot of time. Um, but, 
but the first thing you notice is his heart and and it's pierced um and so it, it, that could be the wounds of life um the the difficulties of, of how how you give that love it might come out as light it might come out as blood um and it's crowned with thorns as well you know wearing wearing the shame um of, of rejection and and of the difficulties of the world, but also wearing it because of love. And so um, whenever I, I, I say a prayer, I, I probably shouldn't be revealing this, I say a prayer every time before I preach, um, and it comes from, um, from this beautiful book on the Sacred Heart, and, and it says, um, Lord, let your Sacred Heart be as a trumpet in my mouth. Um, mm. And so, which is kind of a gross image, but <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful prayer that um, every homily I've given has been, um, at least on Sundays because I have it written out, um, is, is that, because above anything else, let them know that I love them. Let them know by my loving them that you love them, Lord, because the only reason I'm here is because you haven't gotten back yet. But when you get back, reigns are yours, Bubba. You know, <laughs> you know so... Um, so that's what I that's what I hope, and I think it's what every every parent, you know, in in a, in a wonderful, mysterious way, um, does for their children, for their spouse. It's like it needs to be an effusive love over anything yes. else, mm-hmm. um, yes. and then and then the Lord will make that fruitful. Amen. Wow. Amen. I was just thinking of, I guess when this episode when this episode airs, we will have talked about like marriage catechumenate. We've talked about baptism mm-hmm. formation, and one of the things that continues to come up is that. While we do have classes, we do have rules, and the church does give us boundaries, right, that we have to learn as a church to walk with people mm-hmm. better, and that means loving them well. So mm-hmm. praise God for your priesthood mm-hmm. and just the souls that you will encounter, and thank you for your yes, Father. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. such a joy to have you in the diocese. Yeah. So we'll put a link in the show notes to the CET article if you didn't catch it. Um, I'm sure you can find Father Stephen at the cathedral. Uh, <laughs> or the thousand other places. <laughs> right. Yeah. We will keep you busy yeah, here in good. Tyler. But Father, will you close us with prayer and give us your blessing? It would be my pleasure, my priestly pleasure. Almighty and merciful Lord, you have been with us since the very beginning of time. You formed us in, in your mind's eye before we were formed in the womb. You knew who we were, you know who we are. Lord, we ask that your sacred heart might, might be as, as trumpets in our lives, that your plan of salvation for us might be shown forth in the marvelous and, and wonderful way that you intended it, as you intended it. We ask that as we go our separate ways, Christ might be our constant companion on our journey until we finally return to our heavenly home. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.